It always helps. It always helps the life of the church when the elders are saved. So, and then uh, from there, Gary moved into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he drug Kathy into it. And uh, these two have been two of the key people who have, who have helped us pursue the Holy Spirit. And if you ever have struggled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, getting your prayer language, Gary and Kathy are the people to come down and have pray for you because they really have a special anointing for that. And that's what our series has been in for the last three months. And I'm going to cap the series today with the last message. And I'm going to talk about how to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but here's the bottom line to the entire series, this scripture right here. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by, will you say this out loud with me? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That is the bottom line to Christianity. It seems to take a long time for us to be broken down to come to a place where we realize it is by the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. We really cannot do much without the Holy Spirit. We certainly can't do the things that God has called us to do without the Holy Spirit or without us daily depending on the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. You know, you and I cannot even worship God without the Holy Spirit. There are religions all over the planet worshiping God in the best way they know how. But look what Jesus Christ himself said in John 4.24 in the Good News Bible. God is spirit, and only by the power of his spirit can people worship him as he really is. As he really is. Because the Holy Spirit is the illuminator, the teacher. He's the author of the Bible. He is the one that gives spiritual light to human beings. And he always leads us to the truth about who Jesus Christ truly is. But today I want to cap this series with how to maintain a continual infilling of the Holy Spirit. Having the Spirit of God come upon you over and over and over and over again to be able to live this supernatural life. I'm talking about loving your wife unconditionally, respecting your husband and honoring his authority, honoring your children and being able to uh, patiently nurture them up in the things of the Lord, being faithful at church, being able to lead well and not control people, be able to follow the leader without getting, getting uh, stubborn, being able to give financially, pray your heart out, witness to your neighbors, be the salt and light where you live and work and pray, love the word of God, desire the presence of God. All of these things are only possible when we are continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So once you realize this truth, then your pursuit becomes, how can I maintain being filled with the Holy Spirit? Because obviously it's the key. Will you say that verse with me again? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, we learn that over and over and over by coming to the end of ourselves until you finally come to a place where you say, I get it. I am now going to live my life completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. And Gary just came over to me a few minutes ago and said, at the top of the bulletin notes, 
my sermon notes is, notes is that scripture. He said, in the prayer time, which is one of our opportunities for prayer, you can come early to church and go in with the intercessors and pray for about 20 minutes before church starts. He said, that scripture was the scripture they hammered and hammered and hammered. That's the Holy Spirit, right? Talking to the intercessors before church starts because the Holy Spirit told me to teach this. So he told the Holy Spirit, told the intercessors to pray it so that we would get it. So get it. Amen? Because this is the last time I'm teaching on it until the next time I teach on it. So get it. So how can we stay filled? Uh, I'm sorry. I got to answer two, two questions that came in regarding the Holy Spirit. I don't want to not answer your questions. Only two questions came in. I asked last week, if you have questions about the Holy Spirit uh, that we haven't covered, please email them to me. But after three months of teaching on the Holy Spirit, I don't think there was a whole lot to ask. But there were two questions. One was, how come Jesus says, the Holy Spirit says, I'm with you when you come together when he's with us all the time? Because there are unique manifestations or unique ways, specific ways, different degrees and measures that the Holy Spirit reveals himself in different climates. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in an individual way, it's different than the way he comes upon us when we come together. They're just different economies of the Holy Spirit's presence and, and different atmospheres. Worship, the Spirit of God comes in a unique way. Giving financially, the Holy Spirit comes in a unique way. When you're loving your wife unconditionally, the Holy Spirit comes in a unique way. And when believers come together, the Holy Spirit shows up in unique ways. The second question was, how can I make sure that I am operating and the gifts and anointings God's given to me on all cylinders? And that is what I want to land on today. So, there are three things I want to say. There's three questions you need to ask yourself if you're truly hungering after the fullness of the Holy Spirit on a continual basis in your life. Number one, ask yourself this question. Am I all in? Am I all in? Let me ask you this. Does a marriage work when one of the partners is not all in? <laughs> that was a pretty quick answer. That hits home, doesn't it? That doesn't work, does it? How about when both aren't all in? It doesn't work. At work, if the boss is not all in, does that company work? No, you own your own company. You've got to be there 24-7 thinking about it, you know, strategizing for it, trying to equip the best you can. When you watch those shows when restaurants aren't working or companies aren't working and a, and a consultant comes in, many times the owner has just kind of gotten lazy. That's why the thing's falling apart. The owner has to be all in. And the employees need to be all in for that thing to really reach its full potential. On a sports team, does it work if the players are not all in? You're not going to win a Super Bowl if you're not all in, right? This also doesn't work in Christianity. When people say Christianity didn't work for me, I've heard that over the years. I'm saying, oh, no, you just didn't work it. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus didn't, he wasn't politically correct, and he wasn't a seeker-sensitive teacher. He just taught about the kingdom of God. We were all bound for hell. He saved our souls and changed the trajectory eternally of our destiny. And he wants us to gain as many souls as possible by the time we go to heaven. That's the agenda. And Satan is all in. Do you know that? Satan is all in. That's why if you're half-stepping with Jesus, you're living a miserable Christian experience. So Jesus said it this way. If you, 
try to build a building and you don't count the cost before you start the project, you're going to get halfway into the project, run out of materials, and be embarrassed is what he said. If you go to war and you don't first sit down and calculate whether you have what it takes, you'll get halfway into it and you'll compromise with the enemy. And I believe this is what happens with many believers. We come into Christianity on a very weak gospel message. Jesus is here just to touch you and love you. And that's the only message you get rather than you need to die to yourself and wholly give yourself to Jesus Christ. If that's the message you get, you come into the kingdom of God full of power and ready to play, right? Jesus said that uh, if you do not forsake everything, now this is what Jesus said, if you do not forsake everything, leave it all behind and follow me, you are not worthy to be my disciples. He's not talking about an emotional, I don't love you. What he's saying is you won't make it because your own flesh will battle against you. Your own desires and ambitions that are not of me and my kingdom will battle against your time and your attention. And Satan will be harassing you and beating on you and you will not have the, the deep commitment setting your face like flint that you need to make it through those storms. So it's not a mean message, it's a liberating message. I'm telling you, when you finally decide, I'm all in, my chips are all in, and though none come with me, still I will follow. When you cross that chicken line, I'm going to tell you, that's when you're going to experience the peace and the power and the comfort and the wisdom and the anointing of the Holy Spirit like you never have in all your life. Can I hear an amen? Because that's true. And so if you're truly wanting the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you have got to decide that you are all in. Let's look at this in the Bible. Go with me to the book of uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. In 1 Kings chapter 19, First Kings chapter 19, we have uh, two guys here. One is Elijah. Now, Elijah was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. He gathered all the false prophets of Jezebel around. He called all of Israel. And he had 850 false prophets from Jezebel. And he said, I'm going I'm to have a battle with you. Let's see whose God is the real God. He's trying to call Israel back to all in with God because they had gotten distracted and they were worshiping other gods like we can get distracted and do that. So God's trying to call his children and woo them back. So he sends a prophet to stand up, has a battle with them. They cry all day long. Their God doesn't answer. Elijah mocks them and says, oh, maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he's in the bathroom. He actually said that. And then he said, all right, and he steps up and says, hey, God. And God went whoosh and fire comes down from heaven, right? Pretty powerful. Well, there's another guy named Elisha which became his assistant, who ended up with twice the power of Elijah. Now, how did that happen? Well, you see it right here. In 1 Kings chapter, eight, uh, chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter 19, and in verse 18, I love this. God says, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. Those are people who are all in. And every mouth that has not kissed him. You can't be kissing this world and kissing Jesus at the same time and experience the power that's available that you hear preached from the pulpits of America, that you read in the Bible. 
And so well, it's like this. If your wife knows that you are uh, having an affair, is she going to be just kissing all over you? I hope not. <laughs> right? Because she wants to know that she is the only one for you. Right? It's the same with the, hus- with the wife. Right? I mean, a husband and a wife want to Have you noticed the marriage language all through the Bible? Have you noticed how God actually calls it adultery when we are loving the things of this world rather than him? He's a jealous God. The Bible says that. This isn't about religion. It's not about legalism. It's about relationship. And so when you're all in, see, Jesus is all in for you and I. He proved it on the cross. Jesus Christ is all in. And so when you cross the line, you say, I am all in. You're at the altar with Jesus and you say, I do. And he says, me too. He puts that ring on your finger. That is when you experience the fullness of the kingdom. And it's tested over and over and over. Some of you were there. I just got this from the Holy Spirit. Some of you were there and you're not there anymore. And this message is for you this morning. And it's not a shaming message. It's not a condemning message. It is a, hey, come on. You're not dead yet. You can still do this thing. And the great thing about Jesus is he's a God of mercy. And as soon as you say, you're right, man, I've been messing around with this world and I've been half-stepping, I've been doing this halfway, I'm stepping in, bam, right there. It's like God gets a big eraser and goes, I don't know what they're talking about when they talk about your past because right now is the only moment I care about. And he goes, puts his spirit on you and you walk out of here full of the Holy Spirit. I promise you that will happen. Because he's a good God, and he's a God of second and third and fourth and tenth and millionth chances. He will not stop forgiving and restoring and redeeming until it's all done and there's no more opportunity. So, verse 19. So, Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve oxen, yoke of oxen before him, and he, and he was with the twelfth. So he's out there in his field, and he's plowing like they do up in the Ramona. Then Elisha passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Here's the invitation to walk in the power of God. And Elisha left the oxen, that is critical, ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my mother and my father and then I I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? That in terminology, biblical terminology, he was saying, that's fine, go do it. So Elijah turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment, gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose, followed Elijah, and became his servant. So what was he doing? What was Elisha doing? Was he saying, I'll follow you a little bit. I like it. It's kind of cool, but I want to do this over here too right? I want to have a foot in both worlds. I want to, yeah, I like your mantle. That's great. But I also want to keep being involved in this other thing over here that is not my calling and not what God wants me involved in. I want to do both of these. Do you think he would have got double the anointing? Do you think he would have went down in history as one of the greatest prophets of all time, destroying the works of the enemy and ushering Israel back into the kingdom of God? Do you think that would have happened? Was that like, duh, pastor? We already know that. Teach us something we don't know. Is that what that was? What did he do? He, he burnt his bridge to the world. That's his occupation. That's his livelihood. That's what Peter did. 
That's what the disciples did. They left all to follow Jesus. Think about the rich young ruler. When he comes in public, throws himself down in front of Jesus, in front of everybody. Oh, Rabbi, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, knowing the man had a greed problem, money wasn't the issue. Jesus doesn't hate money. He created the money. Okay, he's not intimidated by rich is at all. He wants to give his money to his children. So money's not the issue. Being rich is not the issue. That does not offend God at all. Otherwise, Solomon and Abraham were out of the will of God. And Job was the richest man in the East. Money's not the issue. Jesus saw the man had a greed problem. He loved his money. So Jesus said, you want to you inherit eternal life? Give all your money to the poor and come follow me. And it says, you know what it says? The businessman got sad and turned around and walked away. The Bible says that Jesus, loving him, said, give your money to the poor and follow me. He was trying to love on the guy because he knew he was caught. The guy didn't like it, turned around and walked away. He walked away from his destiny. Who would have been the better, best person to take Judas's place, the treasurer, than this guy? Then Peter says, we left all to follow you. And Jesus turned and says, yeah, and you're going to get a hundred times back what you left. And now in this time and in eternal life. Man, that dude traded for a lot less, didn't he? You never trade for less when you're all in with God. This is the lie of Satan. That's, what, that's the lie he sold to Adam and Eve in the garden. It was the very first lie. Live independently from God and you will have much more and have a much better life. It'll be a lot more fun. That's the lie. And God's like, really? Have you seen, did you see, did you see the galaxies I slung into existence? That was because I was bored. You haven't seen anything yet. No fun? Are you serious? We are all in. And we are loving it. If somebody came and tempted me to get high with him right now, I'd say, why would I want to trade for less? That's just a, that's just a, that is a substitution for the Holy Spirit. Are you kidding me? Marijuana versus the Holy Spirit? Really? Man, you need to come up higher. This isn't just preaching, family of God. This is real. This is the way Jesus has called us to live is by the power of his Holy Spirit, not by might, nor by power, nor by drugs, nor by entertainment, nor by adultery, nor by greed, nor by business pursuits that consume your life, nor by any of the things of this world, but say it, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That is the way to live life. Now, you may not be all in and Jesus is going to love you to life. He is going to comfort you, guide you, be with you, never forsake you. I'm talking about the question, how can I know that I am being, that I am engaged with the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Oh, you want to know how to do that? This is how you do that. You've got to decide all my chips are in. And I'm telling you, it is freedom to be all in. So Elijah was all in. And it doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately. This is critical because you'll be tested. When you decide you're all in, Satan's going to go, oh, really? And he is going, I'm telling you, when I was all in, I'm going to just be honest. When I decided I was all in when I got saved at 19 years old, there were girls that I wanted to go out with in high school that wouldn't give me the time of day, and they were calling me up and coming over to my house. 
I didn't even understand spiritual warfare at that time, but he overplayed his hand because I thought they didn't want anything to do with me until I gave my life to Jesus. I was able to figure that out and I was spiritually dumb at that time, (laughs) right? He will be, you decide you're all in, you begin, you start tithing. God will, uh, will, will do something to confirm it. And then all of a sudden, many times all hell breaks loose. And you get mad and say it didn't work and you quit. And Satan's like, yes. You hear about healing, you get sick. You hear about being all in to get the power of the Holy Spirit, you get all in and all of a sudden temptation comes to your door like that. You've got to recognize it. It's play 342 right out of the playbook. It's Mark chapter 4. When the word is sown, Satan comes. The Bible says he comes immediately to steal that seed out of your heart with affliction, persecution, cares of this world, lust of other things, and the deceitfulness of riches. Did I say that? Affliction, persecution, cares of this world, lust for other things, and the deceitfulness of riches. Jesus Christ said that. Those are the five weapons that Satan uses against you and I. So as soon as you say, I'm all in, it'll be tested. Now, Elisha said, I'm all in. And then you see Elijah actually testing his commitment. He's saying, you stay here, I'm going to this city. And Elisha said, no, wherever you go, I'm going. And Elijah went to another city. He said, now you stay here, I'm going to another city. Elijah said, no, I'm all in. And Elijah said, leave me alone. And Elijah said, no, I'm all in. (laughs) Elijah said, stop, you stay here, I'm going to the next city. Elijah said, no, I'm following you wherever you go. He would not leave him. And then he said, and I want twice the power you have. And Elijah said, all right, if you see me when God takes me, then you'll get that. And sure enough, man, Elijah was just right there. Wouldn't leave Elijah alone. Elijah was kind of irritated by it. And all of a sudden, this chariot comes down, swoops Elijah up. His mantle falls off, falls on Elisha. And as soon as Elisha got it, he stepped out. And that's my second point. The first point is, you've got to decide you're all in, family of God. And again, Jesus will love you if you're not. I'm talking about not living in misery. I'm talking about living in the power of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You can't half step. Once you decide you're all in, like Elisha, and you're going to stay all in. And if you fall, you re-up all in. I re-up all in every morning. Right? I do. My favorite scripture in the whole Bible is his mercies are brand new every morning. Thank God his mercies are brand new every morning. Because sometimes I wake up feeling like a, you know, 200 pounds on a popsicle stick, right? You just wake up just feeling like, man, I blew it and I'm a failure and man, I didn't follow through on my commitment or whatever it might have been. Thank God his mercies are brand new every morning because rather than living in that shame, I just cross the shame line and say, your mercies, thank you, Jesus, forgive me, I'm all in. It's not every morning I wake up like that, but some mornings when I've really blown it, I do and I'm all in. You can't let shame hold you back. And so Elisha, uh, as soon as the mantle fell, not only was he all in, as soon as it fell, he stepped out. And that's the second point. You've got to decide you are going to step out into the things of God. So the mantle falls on him. Elijah picks up his mantle, goes to the Jordan River and strikes the river and the river splits open. And all the other prophets said, the mantle of Elijah rests on Elisha. And Elijah just had so much fun with it, man. He just, he just spent the rest of his life raising the dead and doing all sorts of bizarre miracles. You got to read his life in 1 Kings, 2 Kings. Read the life of Elisha. It's just ridiculous miracles. And some of you have a problem with ridiculous miracles. 
Some of you have problems with manifestations that just really are out, of the, out there. But let me tell you something. God does not need your permission to do strange things. Will this make you too uncomfortable? Because I won't do it if it bothers you. You don't find that anywhere in the Bible. You see him having people do bizarre things. He manifests himself in bizarre ways. But here's the test. Did it draw you closer to Jesus Christ? That's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. And don't just get caught up in the manifestation because that's idolatry. The point of it is a sign that points you to Jesus. It should always draw you closer to him. If that's the case, then you know it was from the Holy Spirit. But will you step out? So Elijah stepped out and it opened up the kingdom of God. Now, there are many times I did not step, I do not step out because you're just not sure. Sometimes it's just in an awkward environment. And uh, the Holy Spirit will not not use you if you don't step out every time. And he won't not use you if you step out and it's wrong. He loves it when you take, take a risk. Right? Like this one time. It was at our previous church. I was young, 20-something. was hungry for God. Wanted to be used by the Holy Spirit. We're in a church service. A couple thousand people there. We have one of the, I think it was Oral Roberts' son and, and a, couple, a couple other guys. It was a New Year's, New Year's Eve service. The place is packed. These guys are icons in the kingdom of God. They're up on stage. And I had told the Lord, I hadn't stepped out, you know, a couple times before because I was afraid. And I told him, the next time I feel you, I'm going to step out. I don't care what it is. And I'm sitting there in the church. I'm right in the middle and the place is packed. And we're taking communion. And the presence of God came on the place. And it was just so obvious. Everybody's quiet. The preachers, these world-class preachers, quiet. My pastor, quiet. And all of a sudden, I just feel inspired. <laughs> and I'm remembering, oh yeah, I'm not gonna not step out the next time I feel this. God, I stood up and I went, and I just spoke out in other tongues. And there was nothing on it. So I thought I would try to fix it by interpreting. The non-unction. I tried to interpret the non-unction. It like killed the atmosphere. It was horrible. It was obvious that, you know, it was zeal without knowledge. I sat down humiliated. My pastor had to recover the service. But I stepped out and God liked it, right? And, and even though I was embarrassed and I ruined a church service, <laughs> I've never stopped stepping out because I know that's the only way the kingdom comes. And I think my pastor must have liked it too because he hired me as a youth pastor not too much after that and then kept going up to the senior associate and blah, blah, blah. You know, I want people, Jesus wants people who are willing to step out. Now, I got to tell you something positive on top of that negative, right? To redeem my own, my own reputation. So, I listened to Gary's message from a couple weeks ago, which was awesome, on the new birth and that you're a butterfly. How many of you remember that message? You're a butterfly. Yeah. And I remember, uh, um, well, I was sitting there listening to it and I was thinking about how good God is. I, you know what I was thinking? Man, I'm so glad he decided to make us a butterfly out of a worm instead of 
a, a butterfly to a worm. I thought, God is so good that he decided to do it that way. And after we got done with the message, I'm sitting there in Starbucks in Ramona and the place is packed because it's the only place to go in, in Ramona. And I'm sitting there thinking, uh, man, I, so, I want to be used by God. I mean, listen, we're all growing. We all need to be inspired to step out. So here I am, a preacher, sitting there listening to a sermon of one of the elders in the church, and I'm getting done going, man, I want to be used by God. I, I want to step out. But it's intimidating. It's always a little intimidating to step out. It doesn't matter who you are. Because when the Spirit of God comes on you, that's different than when the Holy Spirit is not coming upon you for a specific thing. So when the Spirit of God comes on you, you've got to decide, I feel the Spirit on me, I've got to step out. And so I'm up there in uh, Starbucks a couple weeks ago, and I got done with the sermon. I looked up, and there was a, a gal sitting by herself over at a table. She looked to be in her young 20s, young 20-something, and I felt like the Lord told me something about her. I'm like, oh, great. So here's this 50-year-old man going to walk up to some young 20-something in Starbucks. First, you know, creeper, creeper, you know, those lights are going to be going off. I'm like, Lord. She's going to think I'm hitting on her or something, and I've got to cover this, that base fast. And I'm thinking, oh, and what if it's wrong? Now it's creeper creeper, right? <laughs> what a weird pickup line, right? Some old man coming over to some young 20-something and saying, God said, and has nothing, not even close. The whole thing could get weird so fast. It'd be easier just to leave. So I did. No, I didn't. I'm kidding. <laughs> So I walked over to her, I crashed on, I said, excuse me. And she was like, you know, kind of startled, right? I said, listen, um, I was just sitting right over there and sometimes God talks to me about people and he tells me things and I felt like he told me something for you. Would you like to know what it is? I've never had anybody say no to that, right? Because people are very curious about what God might have for them. And I said, I felt like he told me that you were very intelligent. Now, for all I know, she barely graduated high school. I mean, she could have been a flunky. I don't know. That's the risk. I feel like God told me that you're very intelligent. It's a gift from him, and he wants you to use your brain for him. I said, does that connect? And her eyes well up with water. And you're like, oh, thank God. And I hope it's not, I hope it's not because she's feeling attacked by a creeper. But she said, <laughs> so she said, I was just sitting here thinking, I didn't know she was an employee at that Starbucks. She said, I was just sitting here thinking, I am intelligent. I graduated the degree in history, and I want to use it, and I got to get out of Starbucks. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm a prophet. <laughs> so then I said, okay, listen, this is more than just Jesus confirming to you what he has given to you, but it's... He, you now knowing that he knows what you're struggling with. He knows your fears and your dreams, and uh, he's with you. And I walked away, and I looked back, and she's texting like this. And I'm hoping it wasn't I lied to this man that came up to me because he was a creeper. I told him whatever he wanted so he could get away from me. Some, when you step out, sometimes, man, you nail it, and it's awesome, and it advances the kingdom in other people's lives. Jesus says this, I'll close uh, in just a couple minutes. Matthew 10, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be, it will be, it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. That is a promise. We can trust that. 
You've got to step out if you want to see the kingdom and experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, number three, the first one is, are you all in? You've got to ask yourself that question. Number two, will you step out? And number three, will you stay in the game? Will you stay in the game? Look at this other promises. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season. Will you say that phrase with me? In due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's another promise. If you do not quit, you will reap. What does sown to the Spirit mean? It means giving your time, talents, and treasures to whatever the Holy Spirit is doing. Now listen, some of you, some who are not here today, have quit because of discouragement and disappointment. Discouragement means you've been separated from courage. Disappointment means you've been dislocated from your divine destiny, your appointment that God has given to you. Discouragement and disappointment because God's timing many times is going to discourage. And many times you get a word and it's years before it comes to pass. You have to be faithful. Sometimes it's the way you've been treated or not been treated. And, and it turns into offense. You get offended at people uh, and all of a sudden you start to close off. And you're dislocating yourself from your appointment. Offense is one of the greatest weapons of Satan. John Bevere wrote a great book called The Bait of Satan. More people have left churches out of offense than anything else. And it's a lack of character is what it is. Offense simply tests your character. Because humility, honest communication, and forgiveness take character. But it's easy just to be offended and then leave. Or sit and disengage. It's offense. That's, that's what causes that, that posture to happen in you. So really, it's a test of your character at that point. What are you going to do with this? You're, Satan is robbing you and disengaging you from your destiny. And rather than experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you'll find yourself being given over to a spirit of criticism, bitterness, resentment, and accusation. And that's the spirit of Satan. And you'll get worse and worse and go into a dark place. Satan loves it. It could also be that you have disengaged because of uh, shame, where you really feel like you have completely blown it, and you're on God's plan B, which is also miraculous, by the way, because God's God. I love it how he can take a plan A and turn it into a plan B, and it's better than plan A was. Yeah, God's bigger than Satan. You know that, right? It's not like Jesus and Satan and they're fighting. No, that's ridiculous. Jesus is God and Satan's an angel. Jesus created him. So this isn't like a fair fight. And as long as you're on Jesus' side, he will redeem any mess you create. And then he will make your life better than it was before you blew it up. Amazing. So what I want to say this morning is whether it was disappointment discouragement, offense, shame, whatever it is, I want to say, let's do away with these things. Let's not throw in the towel. And let's get a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, let's draw a spiritual line in the sand and say, Satan, you are not going to win. You are not going to derail my destiny through these things.
And I'm not going to derail my destiny by half-stepping with Jesus. I'm going to put all my chips in this morning. I will commit to stepping out when I feel like it's the Lord, whether good, bad, or ugly. And I am not going to throw in the towel. I want to finish my race with dignity, and I want to be able to see Jesus face to face and for him to look at me in the eyes and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? How about you? All right, so let's all stand this morning as we close this series on the Holy Spirit. I want to say this again. I really feel by the Holy Spirit that there are some of you here that used to be all in. And you've been punched in the heart numerous times. And you've, you, you, you're now guarded. And I'm going to tell you something. You're guarding yourself against God. Many times when you throw in the towel, even though you may kind of be here or wherever you worship or whatever calling you're in with God, maybe your marriage, whatever it might be, you may be there, but you're not all in and you know it, right? Let me tell you what happens with that. I'm talking about me too, all right? I've had to go through this revolution so many times I can't count and so have you, right? It's the kingdom of God. It's a fight. It's a fight of faith. Let me tell you what you do. When you throw the towel in, you abort the process that God is doing in you. See, it's not just his ministry outside of you and around you that gets aborted and and distracted. The bigger work is the kingdom he's building in you. So when you throw in the towel through these discouragement, disappointment, offense, and shame, you abort the work that Jesus was doing in you until you re-up again. And then that work begins again. So I'm going to say, let's not let Satan win this morning. Let's give ourselves to the Holy Spirit. So the first question you need to ask yourself, if you just close your eyes, what we are, we're just going to come to the Holy Spirit together. Some of you have not yet given yourself all in, and it's a miserable place to be. It's lukewarm. And right now, you need to cross the line and say, I'm all in. Whatever it takes, no matter what it is, I'm all in. I'm not going to be like that rich young ruler who walked away. I'm not going to be like Judas who's in but out. I'm all in. This is where God's planted me in this marriage, in this ministry, in this company, in these relationships, these friendships. I'm all in. Just keep your eyes closed. How many of you, that, that, that applies to you? Raise your hand. Say, so that's me. You've been half, and now you're going, okay, many of you. All right, how many would raise your hand right now and say, I'm crossing the line. I'm all in. All right, I'm risking it all for Jesus Christ. Praise God. Man, the Spirit of the Lord's going to come upon you this week in a mighty way. All right, how many of you right now will say, I am making a new agreement to step out when I feel like it's the Lord telling me to step out. Raise your hand. Praise God. The kingdom will come. All right, just with your eyes closed, just so this can be 
um, it's just a holy thing. How many would say, I have disengaged through disappointment, discouragement, shame, or offense? Wow. Wow. Okay. Do you recognize that as a destiny dislocator? And do you care? Okay. The promise is you shall reap of the Spirit. The rewards from the Holy Spirit if you do not quit. So right now, those that raise your hand, you've got to make the decision. I am not a quitter on Jesus Christ, his church, and his kingdom. I'm all in. I'm going to start stepping out, and I will not quit. Now, if that's you, just raise your hands up with me, church, and let's just receive a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on. Holy Spirit, we've said from the beginning of the series, this cannot just be preaching. It has to be you. And so right now, Lord, we ask that you would pour your Holy Spirit out upon us fresh this morning. There are all sorts of scriptures I didn't cover this morning that say the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon her, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Holy Spirit, come upon us now. Come upon our families, our homes, our ministries. Come upon our heart, our mind, our soul, our bodies. Come upon us in our places of work. Come upon this church in a mighty way. Come upon our city and our nation. Holy Spirit, come upon us. We want to be on fire for Jesus Christ. We don't want a half step. We want to leave this place today baptized in the Holy Spirit and on fire for Jesus Christ. We are all in, Jesus. And we ask now that you would come upon us this week until we gather again to worship next Sunday in ways we have not experienced you in in a long time. Come upon us in power and dreams, miracles, signs, and wonders. Come upon us by the power of your Holy Spirit this week, Jesus. Break addictions, heal marriages, draw kids home, release anointings, renew callings, spirit of wisdom and revelation. Turn on the lights. Inspire, empower, encourage. For it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Everybody say that with me. It is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And everybody shouted, amen. 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 So be it. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front. Some of you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You don't have your prayer language. Right now is the time to do it. Some of you may be struggling with confusion, depression, oppression. Come down, let the prayer teams pray over you. Let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Some of you need financial breakthroughs. Let the prayer teams pray with you that God will open up doors this week, especially if you stepped across the line and began giving. Come down here and let the Holy Spirit uh, do a great work in you. Some of you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. Now's the time to come down and let them pray the prayer of salvation with you so you can experience his peace. Well, Christmas season's upon us. Don't curse your family members. Bless them even if they don't deserve it. Be a blesser. Honor them, okay? Be, a, be, be honoring and encouraging and a blesser. Be the light of the world. In Jesus' mighty name, God bless you.